When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome back to The Survival Show. I'm producer Ben, of course. Thank you for tuning in to today's Manly Musings with Craig Cottle. Before we get into today's show, I want to personally thank our supporters over on Patreon and over on our new Anchor website. You guys are the grease in our wheels, so we thank you so, so much. We couldn't do this without you. All right, guys and gals, let's get into it right now. Hey there, are you listening? I want to start off with something pretty important that we need to understand. And that is, moss does not always grow on the north side of trees. <laughs> yeah, this is Craig Cottle, Director of Nature Reliance School, co-host of the Survival Show Podcast, coming to you today for another Manly Musings. Thank you for joining me. Our topic of conversation, is it a conversation when it's me on a podcast and you're listening and then you send me feedback? Is this still a conversation? I don't know. Whatever it is. Glad to be here. Glad to get your feedback anytime, every time that we put information out on a podcast. So we appreciate you. Today I wanted to talk about basically, I don't know how else to say it other than maybe natural navigation or developing your mindset, skills, awareness of what's going on outdoors. I know uh, one author, Tristan Gooley, who I'm an incredibly big fan of, talks about intuition of the outdoors. I really That's probably the, the best way that I could come up with saying that, and I'm just stealing that from him more than anything. But basically understanding your place in a wilderness area and how to develop your ability to naturally navigate in that area, and that navigation probably is going to extend into something very different than the way we see map and compass skills. Okay, The way we see map and compass skills, for example, are very analytical, very systematic, very scientific, if you will. You have a compass that has an arrow that points to the north. You utilize that to gauge and judge where it is that you're going. You use GPS devices, whether it's on an app or a standalone GPS device, and you find coordinates of a point and you go there. And these are all fantastic methods for land navigation. Um, very useful tool to have a map more than anything else and understand topography maps and how they work and how they represent an area that you might find yourself in. But we're not talking about that today. We're going to talk about something entirely different. And that is navigation from a proper, what I'm coming to terms with, I've been coming up with ways of thinking of this because we're going to start doing some more podcasting on these subjects over at Nature Reliance School. And one of the things that I want to make sure that we cover there is just wilderness, uh, wilderness wisdom, if you will. Um, basically how to be what I would refer to and what I'm lately referred to as a proper woodsman. However, these have direct implications, and this is why I'm speaking on it here, to survival and safety and being in the outdoors. So we'll dive into those topics. Uh, each one of the books that I've written 
have some sort of this discussion in them. The survival book has an, a whole chapter on awareness and mindfulness, which is just way outside the norm of what your typical survival book does. And I think they're incredibly vital. Uh, if you research and study survival, you'll note that a lot of people get in trouble because they basically just don't pay attention to their surroundings. And so when frontier children were growing up and people that lived off the land were growing up, a lot of this they got on a daily basis from parents or family or uncles, aunts, grandparents or what have you. And a lot of it they got in the pipeline of osmosis where they're basically immersed into an environment. And because they're so deeply immersed into it, they get a lot of this sort of, I don't even want to call it training. They just learn. Okay. Now here in the modern day, we've got to come up with methods to help people to immerse themselves in an environment and be able to learn from it. And that's what I wanted to start us on a step of doing today here, which is get into what kind of things that can we do to start loss proofing ourselves or understanding a terrain, understanding a piece of property or, you know, I don't, even, I don't know if that's the right word for it even. It's just understanding your place. If you have a spot that you go to, being able to understand that in a very, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, an intimate manner. And so that's that's my goal. So here's something we need to do. I've got a listing of things that I've written down here, and we'll see how many of these we get to today. And again, it's like most weeks. We'll see if this takes us into one uh, podcast a day or we end up splitting this into two. We'll see where it takes us. But first thing you need to do before you go is when you go out into a wilderness area, the first thing you need to do is relax. And the reason I say relax is that you've had all these outside stimuli, whether it's your cell phone, your boss, emails, the dings, the buzzes, the car turning on, the radio coming on, TVs in the background, all the things that your typical average ordinary person has that is stimuli from the outside. And we've gotten into these ruts or these habits of just letting those stimuli guide and direct us rather than us listen to our environment, particularly a natural environment, and then just take that information in and utilize it for our purposes. So first thing to do is just relax and listen to your senses. Pay attention to your senses. That is not just your ears, and that also includes your eyes, your smell, your your ears, obviously, your ability to see, your ability to touch, your ability to taste. All these things are sensory opportunities for you to take in information from your environment. If you want to engage in this for the purpose of learning how to navigate, which is what I want to specifically talk about today, then one of the first things you should do is get a topographic map and look at it and study it. In that topographic map, what you need to do is you need to understand, hey, what's going on in these particular four directions? You know, so if you have some sort of starting point, if you will, and that starting point, you, you know, think of it as a anchor point, and that anchor point is going to be the beginning of where you go out from that anchor point in four different directions. Now, again, back in the day, think about Native Americans or think about frontiersmen or, you know, a homesteader or something that's come across through the Cumberland Gap here in Kentucky or uh, those that settled in the part of the world that you're from. They, they set up a homestead, they set up a cabin or what have you, and then they probably before they built the cabin, obviously, they sought out resources. And so they may think, okay, this is where I want to build a cabin. And they go off in all the directions that they possibly can from that anchor point, And they find, 
you know, shelter water food. Uh, when I mean shelter is that they look in the placement of the cabin or the shelter itself should be considered. Water, where's the nearest water source? You probably need to have water sources pretty close because you're going to need water every day. And then food, where would we go about hunting and trapping and finding edible plants and what have you? So a topographic map can do that exceptionally well. There's some limitations to doing that, though, with a, with just a map. So, for example, as I sit here and record this, I'm looking out into the place that I'm usually when I'm recording outdoors, which is on the cabin where I do all my writing and what have you. It's, I don't own this farm. This is the farm I used to own, and a good friend of mine owns it now. But, you know, as I look out into this landscape, I know that over that hill, for example, the hill that's in front of me, and you can do this wherever you go. What is on the other side of the hill that's in front of you, wherever you find yourself in your spot when you go out? Topographic maps will help you with that. However, the limitations, again, on a topographic map is the vegetation that's there. You may or may not be able to walk there. You know, I think we have a tendency to look at topographic maps and go, okay, I can't go there because there's a cliff line. But one of the things that a topographic map does not do at all is help explain the details of the vegetation of where you're looking. You might see the green area on a topographic map and know, okay, that's forested area, for example, or this is white, so that's an open area. But even that open area, you might get to that open area and it's full of, you know, blackberry briars. You're, you're not going to walk through that. Uh, you may see that forested area and go, okay, that's a forested area similar to the one I'm standing in. And when you get there, it's a clear cut. You can't see more than 15 meters in front of you. And so topographic maps do have their limitations. That's why, you know, again, Native American people, for example, or homesteaders, frontiersmen, when they would go into an area, they would really pay attention to where things were going the directions that creeks were flowing and, and things that go along with that. So one of the big things that's important to understand when you're looking at a topographic map is to find those barriers, though. You know, in our book, Essential Wilderness Navigation, that I wrote with Tracy Trimble, one of the things that we talk about and we, we go into great detail on basically setting up a barrier for navigation, even with a map and compass, or understanding a barrier for handrailing. For example, you know where a river flows or a creek, and you don't want to be right on that creek because right on that creek is very hard to walk, but you pull yourself off 50 meters from it, but you walk alongside that creek. You know, I did this recently on the new areas that we've been doing classes on, here for Nature Reliance School in Kentucky is that the landowner took me down and showed me where a river runs through the property and we basically handrailed riding around in an ATV. And so that gave me an opportunity to step off from a barrier or a handrail, something that I could follow. And that would help me maintain basically my place in that area. So I'm not too far in any direction where I don't have any features that can tell me where I am. So those barriers are very useful tools for us when we go into a wilderness area, whether that barrier is a ridgeline or a river or, you know, it might be that you look at a topographic map and you see that two miles in the direction of south is an interstate. So no matter what happens, if you walk due south, you're going to cross the interstate and that way you don't get lost. So these are all ways of finding barriers that are going to help us when we go out and navigate. If you pay attention, then the topography, the land features themselves, the terrain that's out there will be able to inform you and tell you, hey, this is a barrier and it's going to help you know where you're going and where you expect to find on the other side. The next thing to consider is the sun. There is an incredibly strong relationship between navigation and the sky. 
whether it's the nighttime sky or the daytime sky. So we, most of us here in the Northern Hemisphere are aware that the sun is basically in our Southern sky all year round. And in general, but not exactly, rises in the east and sets in the west. It, it doesn't do that exactly simply because of the tilt of the earth and the, along its axis. And that's why I want to, when we start talking about the direction of the sun, we need to understand that the sun doesn't move at all, you all. It doesn't move at all. And so basically what appears as the sun moving is the earth actually tilted on an axis, rotating at the same time, and then at the same time of that, moving around the sun. And so that is very important to understand because if, if we're thinking about the sun doing something, the sun's not doing anything other than sitting there and not moving at all. And so that's a very vital aspect of understanding. So something as simple as the shadow stick method, which gets taught and shared in most survival schools, that is not accurate. It's just simply not accurate. Okay. The reason it's not accurate is because of different times of the year, that particular methodology, the sun is not running on that due east to due west trajectory. So the only time that it's really due east to due west is on the solstices, you know, whether it's in the spring or the fall, you, you want to make sure that you understand that that sun is going to have that trajectory where you could use a shadow stick method. Other times of the year, it's not going to be accurate, incredibly accurate. It will give you a general sense of east to west because, yeah, the sun to us does appear as if it rises in the east. But even on a day like today, as I mentioned, where it's overcast and it's going to rain, I, you know, if I was unfamiliar with this area that I'm sitting in, I would have no idea where the sun's going to come up today until we start to apply some of the things we're going to get into. And it's looking at the time, it's probably going to be tomorrow. So with that said, uh, the next thing I want to point out is prevailing wind patterns. So if you're familiar with the area and know that the prevailing wind patterns go from for example, like they do here in Kentucky, they typically, in this part of Kentucky where I'm from, they typically travel from the southwest and travel in a northeasterly direction, for the most part. Again, that's why it's prevailing. It's not always wind patterns, it's prevailing. The, most of the time, the wind is traveling that direction. So uh, we'll get into some things in the next podcast on how we can utilize all that. So to summarize, here, here's what I want to do with this anchor point, because I don't think I got into it deep enough to understand how you can actually apply it. So here's how you can apply it. Here's what you can take what I'm talking about and go out and start to get into this directly. Number one, go out and find that anchor point. And then here's what you need to do. Take your compass with you for now. Find north, south, east, and west, and then go off in a northerly direction for about 10 paces. And do that again for north, south, east, and west. Okay, do those four directions. And every time you do that 10 paces, then every time you take a step, stop and look and see something that comes out to you. And do your best not to look directly on the ground. That's a habit that when we're teaching this sort of material, people will they'll get in a habit of just looking at the ground and they're not to actually taking in their surroundings. This is a very bad habit for your day hikers and your backpackers and hikers. And this is why a lot of people miss things that are happening around them and get lost, particularly signs and stuff of that nature is because they don't have their head up. They're not looking around. They're not taking information. So with that said, uh, find that anchor point, take those 10 paces, 
write down if you need to, or at least commit to memory things that you see along each of those paces, and then do it again. But this time do it at 20 paces, and then 50 paces, and then 100 paces. So once you do that, basically what's going to happen to you is you're going to start to force yourself to pay attention to more of what's going on around you, okay? And that way, by writing it down, and this is why I'm, I'm a big proponent of writing things down, and you'll see why in just a minute. Write those things down, and that helps you commit it to memory. And then the more you do a practice like this, the more you're going to start to develop a skill set to actually go out and navigate in an area, just go hiking in an area, and simply pay attention to what's going on around you and not miss it. Okay, this is vital. And the last part of this is that once you do that, let's say we go out to those 50 paces in four different directions, we write all these notes down, we come back, and we draw a map. And this is important. You don't have to have a map topographist. <laughs> what's a person who draws maps? What's the word for that? I don't know what that word is. I'll have to look that up. Cartographist? Cartography? Anyway, whatever that is. Whatever it is, a person that draws maps, you don't have to have that skill to be able to draw a topography map. You don't have, you don't have to be an engineer or, or, or a draftsman or anything of that nature. Just come back and draw the, a crude map that works for you and lay out the things that stood out to you while you were on this walk. For example, you walk 50 paces in a certain direction, then you see this, you see a double tree, for example. You know, there shouldn't be any double trees unless there's been some sort of injury or some sort of logging operation or some variation of it. Trees don't typically do that. They, they grow in singles. So you note this double tree, and then down the way you think, wow, there's a pawpaw tree here. I didn't know there was any pawpaw trees in this part of the world. And so you write that down. And then when you come back and you draw this map, then then you list that double tree and you list that pawpaw tree or you list that creek crossing that you did. And what you're doing by doing this is you're building a, a map in your head. Now, I've said this many times, but your Daniel Boones and Gerties and Wetzels, uh, the Wetzel brothers and Simon Kenton and the obviously Native American people, they didn't necessarily draw maps, but they would draw these maps in their heads. But particularly these fantastic scout trackers like Boone and, and Kenton, they drew maps, literally drew maps out for people at forts. And it's uncanny. It's absolutely uncanny. The maps that they had in their heads and when they laid it out and drew it, how accurate it is to what is actually happening on the terrain it was just unbelievable because you I, I looked at another one of these maps this past week i was at a historical site here in clark county and they had a map of all the different roads and creeks in clark county this is i'm from clark county kentucky and they had a crude map that was drawn in 1789 and then they had another one in 1803 and then they had another one from modern day and it was just unbelievable how accurate the very first map written in the 1700s was to the layout of the creeks and the turns and it's just good situational awareness you all and that's what i'm trying to help you with today is to help you have a systematic methodology that you can go about developing the ability to draw that map in your head so that you know what's going on around you and and stuff of that nature for those of you who live on a piece of land then i know without a doubt you have that picture Okay. That's another reason I like riding around and talking to my buddy, Jay, who I know is listening. Hey, Jay, what's up? When he's talking about his land, 
he's incredibly intimate with it because he grew up playing on it as a kid. And you find people like this, that there's a piece of property that right now that I grew up playing on and played in the creeks, played in the hills, dug up groundhog holes and all the things that I did on this 150 acre piece of land. I, and I haven't been on that land for, I don't know, 30 years. I haven't been on that land. I could sit down right now and draw out a map of that area and where all the holes were, where the creeks are, where certain trees are, all these different things that happened to me and while I was out there and all this different stuff. I could draw a map of that. And so with that said, pay attention to that and how important it is, this idea of osmosis. But if we don't have that type of property for ourselves, then the way that I shared you all do it here is, is a good way of you getting started. So Yeah, I think we're going to go ahead and split it there now. I, I try to keep these around that 15-minute time frame, and I hope you're liking that. I've got a lot of feedback that says, man, I really like it, splitting things up in a couple of smaller segments. And then, hey, if you don't like the smaller segments like this, then just wait till Friday and listen to Thursday and Friday together. That way you'll just get the big 30-minute, as sometimes it extends out to 45-minute segment. So, hey, with that said, thank you for all the feedback I've gotten. I've gotten several good incredibly encouraging people that have written in and called me even texted me and you know typically these are people that text me that have come to class because they have my cell phone number and all that kind of good stuff but the encouragement that has been provided to me and to david and i as a whole for the survival show podcast has just been incredible so we appreciate the opportunity to serve you as best we can and we'll continue to look ways to do that in better ways moving forward so with that said, thank you very much for listening to Manly Music. Come back tomorrow. What I'm going to be talking about tomorrow in podcast two is basically how to apply some of the things that I talked about here more directly. I'll explain why I started off with moss did not grow on trees. I'll explain that. And then we'll go into some as well as uh, some landscape analysis and ways to look at the woods and some specific ways to determine direction from trees and stuff that we might find in the outdoors. So join me back there for that. Until then, keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp.